Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast Season 2. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Well, today I am really excited because uh, we have a little bit of a moment where we get to capture a conversation between Phil and I. Uh, and the, the ladies are out today, and uh, Phil and I are going to have a conversation around the topic of success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and what does success look like as an intentional parent, as an intentional father? As a as an intentional person, yeah, and and what is biblical success? And uh, to kind of use a, a framework that we're going to use through this episode that has been particularly helpful for me um, is a framework that Pete Scazzaro uses, and he has this little document, working document that just says success is, and then he lists about eight things. And so we're going to kind of work through some of these things and use that as a metric for success and kind of talk about what does it look like as a as a human, as a man in this time to be successful. And so uh, I want to start us off with the first one. Phil, thank you for being willing to do this one today. Sure. I'm really excited about having this conversation. Uh, so the first thing, uh, Pete Scazzaro, he defines success, says, hey, this is one of the main ways you can define success in your life. It's remaining in communion with Jesus throughout each day. I love that. And, you know, my question for you, Phil, as we're having this conversation is, what does that look like in your life? You know, because uh, as I read these tools and these definitions of success, um, I think for some dads listening and, and parents in particular listening, it'd be really helpful to kind of know what that looks like even in your life. So maybe give me a heads up. What does it look like for you to remain in communion with Jesus throughout each day? Well, I I love that he lists that as the first definition of success. You know, before I answer that question, I I think that this is a huge topic for, it always has been, Uh, you know, are you at the top of your field? How much money are you making? And nowadays, how many Instagram followers do you have? And and, uh, people put out their, you know, best pictures, their best moments and everything when the rest of us feel like failures. And and, uh, this is really important because what is success? You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, is it a destination or is it more of a feeling? And I, I think really it's more of a feeling. And sometimes if we're not careful, we start climbing a mountain and we become, quote, successful and we get to the top of it and we realize I was climbing the wrong mountain. Absolutely, yeah. And so uh, I love I love this because as far as God is concerned, it all starts with us being and staying connected to Him. Mm-hmm. I mean, way back in Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know. This is the great and foremost commandment, Jesus said, and, to, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so it starts out not as uh, this tangible, how much money can I make, but how, how much, with what kind of passion do I love God? And um, Jesus said in John 15, abide in me, 
and I in you, or stay connected to me, remain in me, and I in you, and you shall bear much Rush fruit. fruit. Yeah. And, and, and as believers, we're supposed to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all these things. And so I think um, remaining close to the Lord and connected to the Lord and remember how He defines success is absolutely critical. So a couple of verses come to mind that I memorized a long time ago as a new believer, Second Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose hearts are completely His. So yeah. for me, it's, it's, it's going through the day in communion with God where He has all of me, not just part of me, and I'm living for him, not doing my thing and asking him to bless it. And then Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and following, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might, but let him who boasts, in other words, if you're going to brag about something, boast of this, brag about this, that I am the Lord who exerciseth loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on yeah. earth. For I delight in these things. Let him boast mm. of how well he knows me, for this is the kind of God that I am. And so I think Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So how do you do that? Well, for me, it starts early in the morning. First thing in the morning, I get up, make myself a cup of coffee, open my Bible. Yes. And I have a thing that I've developed where I read through the Bible every year. It's my method. And it's not just to check the box. It's to spend time with the Lord. My challenge is to continue that through the day. A funny little thing happened just a few days ago. My wife was reading a book or something, and, and she came to uh, Psalm 119, 164. In the Passion Translation, it says, seven times a day I stop and praise, praise you. you. Yes. Now, my translation just says, seven times a day I will praise you, and this is a practice that I think people have done for years. I never yeah. have. So she she did she didn't tell me this. All of a sudden, I heard her phone this alarm going off, and it was a barking dog. <laughs> you know, and our dog was like, "Where's the other dog?" And and I said, "What's that?" And she said, "Oh, I set my alarm for seven times during the day, and I just stop and praise the Lord." Well. Uh, some of our listeners know my wife is actually deaf and she wears this listening device, but she keeps it off most of the time because it's exhausting. Yeah. So I hear her phone often. <laughs> she doesn't even know it's going off. But and I you're be, the alarm. <laughs> I can be at the other end of the house and I hear it going off. And I thought, well, I'm going to start doing this. And then we just started doing it. And then if we're together, we stop just right in the middle of whatever we're doing. Wow. And we thank God seven times a day. We'll praise thee for what he did in the past few hours. Um, our daughter, Rebecca, was just in a an accident on the LA freeway where their car flipped. She should not have walked away from that. Mm, and she and her yeah. husband with a couple of bruises walked away fine. Yes. Obviously, there was an angel involved in that. And we're just thanking God that our daughter is okay. Is okay. Yes. And so I think some people call this practicing the presence, whatever. So I think it's, it's, um, it's kind it's, of one of the things. It, but, you know, I think what, what I love about this, and thank you for the rich... I love, you know, people don't get to see this, but you're not reading those scriptures. You're actually just memorizing them because you've had a life of discipline and walking with Jesus. And I think as a young man, you know, you look up to leaders, you look up to people, and you, when you see somebody that's been successful, whether that be in marriage or family or in ministry or in work or business, you want to try to find those little secrets. Like, what's the difference? What yeah. sets them apart? You know, it's the desire. I think even as a man, you go, it, well, what are those things? Um, men and women, obviously both the same, but the idea that you look at that person you want to emulate. But I can only speak of the context of a man because I am a man and I know for me. <laughs> You're a manly man. <laughs> and, I, and I look up to other men and, and you know, where are those examples? And so, um, 
I, I really like even how Pete said this, but also how you said this. It's it's really in how do you make time throughout each day to focus your attention? Sometimes that looks like an alarm. Sometimes that looks like, I, I know Pete even talks about the daily office. Mm-hmm. Moments, set hour of prayer. Moments where you're actually strategically implementing things of Jesus into your life, which is, uh, I think, really important. And I know been a part of my life for a long time as well. But by your example, by others like you and saying, hey, you know, if you really want to be in a space where you're uh, growing in the things of God, you've got to make space. You've got to, yeah. that, that's what success looks like. And, and I think as a young man, we're always looking for how do we define success? And what I like about this list, what I like about what we're talking about is it's flipping the world's idea of success on its head, which is amazing, which leads us to the second thing on this list, which is um, to, success is embracing the unique season God has you in. Oh, wow. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> the unique season. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I can share about my season, but before I even do that, you know, Phil, what what unique season or how does this apply to you? What unique season do you find yourself in and how do you find embracing that unique season? Well, I, I think, you know, I'm in my late 60s now and every season is different. And uh, I, I think I've made the mistake of looking back too much. Well, back then it was way better Mm. or looking forward. If only if, Mm. and not embracing the season I'm in my wife, Diane's the opposite, wherever we are, wherever God's led us, she jumps in with both feet. She, she accepts it. She loves it. And, uh, I think that being able to do that is, is beautiful. It's, it's a, it's, it's part of praising God, not, not being bitter because, you're not in your 30s anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, now you're older instead of saying, no, that this is, you know, I'm still alive. Yeah. I'm breathing. <laughs> and God's still using me. And I have, I have so many blessings in my life. And being able to, in bless, in, in being able to enjoy every season is, is usually, I think that starts there just by thanking God for the season you're in and, uh, and then asking Him how you are to use it. And I'm I'm older now, so I'm in the giving back season, and um, I have to be really strategic. When you're young, you're you're not really thinking about how many years you have ahead because you got a gazillion years ahead. Yes. And you hit this point in life where you realize, oh man, like I'm 40, and if I live to 80, I'm halfway through. So I better start thinking about the second half of my life. Yes. And then when you're 60, you realize, oh my gosh, I only have X years less yeah. left. So. I need to be strategic. So yeah. that's how I embrace the season. So, and then as I get even older, it's about succession. You know, and mm. I, I've been actually learning a little bit about this from a book that I would recommend. It's, it's, it's more not, uh, unlike Pete, it's more of a leadership book by a guy named Bob, a guy named Bob Beal, who's uh, spoken to CEOs and executives and, and just life principles is a solid follower of Jesus. But he's got one decade by de- decade life is surprisingly predictable. Mm-hmm. And and for the 30s, which you're in, Brooke, yeah. he said the defining word is success. I want to be a success. And I, maybe really? you could address it. How are you feeling uh, about that? I mean, how, you do. You're, you're, cl- yeah. you're, you're climbing the mountain. You're in your zone now. You're no longer in your 20s. You've got some experience. You're mm. finding your calling. And, and there's yeah. a good part of that, just mm-hmm. throwing your heart into it. Yeah. But um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, because sometimes you can become successful 
and something, but then you have to ask, is it significant? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is more what the forties are. Absolutely. About. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've I have a handful of friends even right now that are have been actually successful. They're maybe like mid thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight, maybe, and they uh, they've actually been successful financially. They've done a really good job, and they're actually going back to say. I made money and I like that and I can fuel different ministries or different things that are meaningful, but I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something that's more meaningful with my life. And so I've have probably, uh, and no exaggeration, at least three or four friends that are kind of in that similar situation right now that I've had recent conversations with. Um, I, I think for me, it's been a little different because I started off not chasing success, uh, because I felt earlier on, um, well, success financially, let's say that. Uh, but financial success wasn't the thing. It was more of like actually chasing a life of purpose. And so feeling called to ministry at a young age, um, I kind of had a lot of the financial success weeded out of me because if you've been a part of any kind of ministry, whether that be nonprofit or pastoral ministry, you know that you're not in that game for money. And so right. um, I think success has looked different. But what it what it brought out of me that was unhealthy in my early 20s and even 30s is I realized that wanting to succeed uh, kind of looked like unhealthy striving in certain ways for me. Um, hmm. You know, wanting to do things before being ready, uh, trying to put myself in places that I wasn't invited into um, yet and trying to, you know, I, I'm, I'm very... Um, I talk a lot. I love a lot of people. I'm I'm very social. And so I, I can kind of in some ways sneak into certain groups that maybe I don't necessarily fully belong in and, and realizing that wasn't a gift to me at that point. I was striving in a way. I wasn't waiting on Jesus. I wasn't actually submitting some of my life. And it was actually reading a book, Richard Foster's book, uh, simply entitled Prayer. And you need to read that book if you are a person who loves Jesus at all, because he goes through all the different elements of prayer. It's changed my prayer life. Hmm. But he has this prayer that he talks about, the prayer of relief. And it's basically this idea where you take every area of your life, every dream, every success that you desire, and you basically uh, relinquish, you give up, you bury every single dream in the ground, just like Jesus was buried, and you ask Jesus to resurrect what is of him. And wow. so you basically say, I'm going to try to, as much as I can, take my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions, all this stuff. And I just release it into your hands. And whatever mm -hmm. is of you, Jesus, you resurrect. So that means, and he uses the definition in the book or defines it in the book and kind of gives clarity and to say that some of the stuff that you thought you were going to do, you're not going to do any longer. And then there's these things that you maybe never thought you would do that are going to emerge and have this unnatural and un, uh, this crazy amount of weight and, and anointing around it. And so I've found that to be true in my life, um, that success looks different. And that's why this list has actually been really helpful because I think I'm looking for, even as a dad and as a husband, as a man in this time, what is success really? And uh, I'm finding this list incredibly helpful. So, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times we think it's money and possessions. And I was I was just flipping around trying to find this first because I don't have this one memorized. <laughs> but it's in Luke chapter 12. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jesus is teaching one day and somebody in the crowd says, you know, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. In other words, tell him to give me the money that he ought to give me. <laughs> and Jesus, it's interesting, he sees that what's inside the man is greed. He yeah. wants more. 
And so he's, you know, after saying, who appointed me a, a judge over you? Jesus says, then he takes, he's got a crowder, so he takes it as a teaching point. Mm. Jesus said, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. But here's what I wanted to, to read. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Wow. So even if you have a lot, and, and this happens so often, people... They reach the top, they become the millionaire, and then you say, are you successful? And they'll often say, well, I don't know, because where's the bar? Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody else has more or, or they want yes. more. And so I think Jesus says, life isn't about stuff. Life is about your relationship with me. And mm. I think that's why I love how we started this off, that what it really is success it's it's connected to god every day and embracing the unique season god has you in the third thing uh that he says is resisting success is resisting specific temptations of the evil one Mm. now that's an interesting one to me because you know i wouldn't necessarily if i was to write up a success list right i wouldn't necessarily say uh resisting specific temptation but this is big this is really big especially for men in our time Uh, this is big Oh, it's huge. Uh, I think, you know, as we as we mature and grow, we learn a lot about ourselves through failure. Mm-hmm. Failure is the best teacher, by the way. Mm. Success just makes us puffed up. And mm. uh, success, by the way, is a test. It says in Proverbs, a man is tested by the praise accorded him. If all of a sudden you're famous or whatever, people are seeking you out, uh, our, our our reaction tends to become, hey, look what I did. And, and it's just a test to see if God can entrust us with more. But failure is the greatest teacher because we mm. see, oh man, I am an idiot. I shouldn't have done that, looked at that, said that. And then over time, you begin to see the what Hebrews calls the sin that so easily entangles you. Mm. And um, I think once we discover what our areas of weakness or temptation are. By the way, the temptation of the New Testament, the Greek word temptation, can the, the word for trial can all also be called testing. So what what's a test to see if we're gonna we're gonna succeed or fail is also a trial because God wants to use it to refine us, to deepen us in him if we pass the test. And and so these things are are good. Um so whatever that might be, you know, it, it could be money or greed for someone. For a lot of guys, it's it's uh, lust, mm-hmm. sexuality. I mean, uh, I think lust is is probably every man's battle. I've, I've shared before, I've only had one guy in my late 60s, I've only had one guy tell me, you know, I don't struggle with lust. Most guys do, but that's just not my problem. And this guy was married and a week later he had an affair oh my and goodness. so yeah. even that taught me That's that tragic. this is an area and so well, um and you know you you traveled a lot when you were you traveled a mm-hmm. lot uh over the years and you know i remember you telling me a story years back and i want you to share it now but uh you know you've you've been married for 41 years faithful to your wife obviously you're not perfect and let's not paint a false image here but you have intentionally walked through your life um, wanting to honor God, and I think really seeing success in the arena of resisting specific temptation, I, I, I've seen you put very specific just rules in your life to help you accomplish that. Now, tell me about the uh, the situation when you would travel and you get to a hotel room. Tell, tell everyone kind of like what your protocol was when you would travel. Oh, yeah. Well, that came out of, of weakness. So, you know, going way back, I wasn't a follower of Jesus growing up. I believed in God, but it was in my early 20s when I started walking with the Lord. I was playing in a, in a band for nine years. I played in a rock band. 
and by God's grace, never did drugs, never even got drunk. My issue was in the sexual immorality area. And so this was part of my life before I met Christ and one of the first things that had to get weeded out as a new believer. So mm-hmm. by the time I started dating Diane, I had already made my conviction, I'm going to flee immorality, as it says in the New Testament. Yeah. And so it started, because not because I was just this stalwart person, but because I knew where it led. And so, um, I mean, I was radical. I mean, mm-hmm. Diane and I, we got we dated for nine months, and uh, then we were engaged for four and got married. And uh, I never kissed her on the lips till we were engaged. You know, we were wow. affectionate. I put my arm around her, held her hand, kissed her on the cheek because I just didn't didn't want to wow. open that door. For those listening who are dads of little girls, just implement that one. That sounds great. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy. But for me, it was, it was something I, I needed to do. And yeah. I wanted to honor her because just an aside here, if there's young men listening, you're dating a girl. You don't know if you're going to marry her someday. You may be dating someone's future wife. You want to be able to look that person in the eye one day and have him say to you, thank you for treating my now wife with honor. But anyway, so yeah, so then I started uh, in ministry and and, and even as a young pastor, I saw pastors falling into affairs and stuff. And and, uh, by God's grace, my dad was faithful to my mom and Diane's father was faithful to um, uh, Diane's mom. And so I had these models, and I think that kind of heritage really flows down. You just you don't mm-hmm. you don't think about it. But then I started traveling when I served with Luis Palau for nine years, and especially when I would go to England. I mean, there's like bad stuff just on the regular television. And so one time I checked into a hotel in England, and the TV was on when I walked in because mm-hmm. they used the TV to communicate with you, you know, welcome to our hotel. And then there was right there, you know, movies that you could rent, including, you know, pornographic ones. And uh, so I did the first thing I saw when I walked in the room. So I thought, you know what? I'm thousands of miles away from my wife. I don't need this. So I went and unplugged the TV. I said, <laughs> because if I turn it on, I'm going to have to decide what I'm going to watch or not watch. Well, why don't I just remove the temptation? Oh. So I get this phone call from the office. Uh, Mr. Comer, we see that you've uh, disconnected your TV. And I said, yeah, I know. It's because you got some bad stuff on there. You know, and, and I just don't, I just don't need it, you know? And so I, I just think that that's not because I was such a stalwart person. That was because I know my weakness. And so yeah. I'm just going to make a decision to honor my yes. wife, to stay sexually pure. And, um, and, and, and I learned that because prior to that, it was in another hotel room in England for the first time, flipping through some channels. And suddenly I was like, whoa. And I got off that channel right there and I realized yeah. this is like, America's bad enough, but this is even worse. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I realize, you know, flee. That's what flee yeah. means. Run. Well, I think flee. I that's mean, one place you're told to run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Joseph Get away. ran out the door and, yeah. and she grabbed his jacket, but he was out of there. You know, one thing that you were, because um, obviously that was, a, that was a wonderful time when even cell phones potentially didn't even exist yet, you know, and laptops were different. And now we have infinity in our pocket and it's a terrifying thing and so maybe for men now you know i'd say maybe that looks like um 
a different kind of uh, security software, different yeah. uh, things on your phone, different things on your laptop, accountability software, things that um, that I think those are the. I mean, we're talking about less specifically, right? There's all there's a whole other gamut of stuff. Sure. But I think you know, just on that topic, I think now that looks more like, um, hey, I'm going to be strategic about having a group of people that help me. You know, one thing I do with my phone is I have I have um, software on it that I let my friend who I'm not always around have the code. So it's really inconvenient for me to be like, and most of the time if I'm traveling, I don't have that code. He's not with me. So, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, I think setting up some of those safeguards is really important for, for your family and for your future. But that's, thank you for yeah, going into you know, some detail. I, just uh, to one last thing that we can move on, but I just, I mean, my read through the Bible, I just finished Ezekiel, yeah. <laughs> which is a difficult book. The last part of Ezekiel, <laughs> a little dry, of the yeah. most difficult to understand passages, but I started Daniel. In yeah. Daniel chapter one, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so I just think wow. it starts there. You purpose That's a in purpose heart. in your heart to... And success is resisting specific temptations. And that's one of the definitions. Uh, another definition of success here is trusting and relaxing in Jesus. I just even like saying that, you know, this idea yeah. that success is trusting and relaxing in Jesus. Now, all of us have different strengths, weaknesses. For some, they're going to say, you know what? That doesn't, that's not that hard for me to trust and relax in Jesus. For others, uh, that can be very hard. Um, those who are more capable or, or maybe more controlling by nature. Uh, what? How does this kind of play out in your life, and what are some of your experiences with this? Yeah, I think uh, I think this is something that um, I'm still growing in. The opposite of trust, of course, is worry, and mm. uh, I, I think this is an area that of weakness in my life that I've had. You'd think by now I'd have so many stories which i do of yeah. god's provision and faithfulness and he's never let me down that i would just be going through every day not with a care in the in, world <laughs> in the world but i don't i still worry and mm. and my wife helps me with this the scriptures help uh but i think that you know one of the old hymns that diana and i both love is tis so sweet to trust in jesus mm. uh, jesus jesus how I trust him, how I've proved him or and or. And I think the longer you walk with Jesus and you see his provision and his care and how he always came through in the situation that seemed impossible, actually wasn't impossible and he solved it, then you begin then to have a backlog of things that you can actually look back and say, look how the Lord dealt with that problem. He hasn't changed he can deal with this situation too. And then you actually think about that and feed off of that. And by the way, that's actually in the scriptures too. In Psalm 37, one of my favorite Psalms, uh, it starts off talking about worry. Yeah. <laughs> Fret not yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't worry. And then it instead, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land. And there's this word cultivate faithfulness, but in Hebrew, it's feed on his faithfulness. Hmm. And so I'm I'm not good at that, but I'm hmm. learning to do it because that's the same psalm that later on, it's a psalm of David, and he says, the steps of a righteous man are established by the Lord. And then it's he says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Hmm. So when you're older, you can say, you know what? He took care of me when I was in my 30s. He took care of me when I was in my 40s. Hmm. I don't know how we're going to ever pay for braces, but we paid for braces, you know? <laughs> and so God comes through. When I look back and I say, how did we raise four kids on a pastor's salary? And Diane 
poured her life out into our kids. I don't know how we did it. We just, it happened. God yeah. took care of us. Yeah. So I, I think you trust. It's trusting. And yeah. when you find yourself not trusting, you confess that for what it is. Worry is sin. Yeah. You say, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to trust in you. Yeah, I think I, for, for I mean, me. What do you, you could probably add well, a lot to this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think everyone, you know, trust, I, I tend to, um, I have many, many struggles, but I think worry is, I don't like the stress and anxiety worry causes. So I often try not to worry and I, and I try not to worry is not just not worrying because that's not really an answer. Um, I think for me, it's turning, this is where prayer life has been huge for me, uh, turning every worry into a prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, the moments I'm, Elizabeth shares with something about our, our kids or, Hey, this is happening or, or medical stuff with Birdie. I, I literally just, it turns into a journal of prayer into moments of prayer. And, and honestly, I think it's not, it's not because I'm just so godly. Um, I, I really think it's actually a way of coping with the anxiety that comes with my my life and, and life in general for anyone that's alive. Like everyone deals with these anxieties. And the question is, are you going to trust Jesus with them or not? And I think I try to tr trust Jesus with most of them. Sometimes I, I just pray out of... Uh, responsibility and sometimes I don't fully mean it right but but I do know that that practice has been really helpful for me because it helps um to just feel like I'm I'm being proactive but there's so many of these things so many worries that we have I don't know how, how you experience it Phil I'd imagine it's the same but there's so many things I worry about that I have just zero control over exactly and so if I actually believe Jesus is who he says he is, and I actually, and I do believe that, and I actually believe he has power to invade our situation and, and bring outcomes that um, are different than what is currently going on, to turn every worry into a prayer is just a practice for me to relax in Jesus. Because if not, I'm a frantic mess. I'm I, I, I'm internally worried and struggling. So um, I just love that language. And I think that when we can say Success is learning how to trust. Success is learning how to relax. You know, for some today, might, maybe that's what you need to hear. And I think well, it's a helpful tool. what you're doing there is just totally what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 5, and 6. Be anxious for nothing. Well, why is that in there? Because we're going to be anxious. Yeah. Why did Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount say, look at the birds? They're they not worrying. toiling. Your father feeds them. Aren't you of more value? So oh, yes. God knows we're going to worry. So he says... Don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. But then he doesn't just say, knock it off. That's right. Yeah. He goes on to, to say to do what you just said you're doing. By prayer and supplication. But in everything, by yes. prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. That's what and I that's have to a learn good to do. One. Lord, that's thank good. you. You have provided and you are going to give me the wisdom to show me what to do uh, in this situation. Um, let your request be made known to God. And the result is the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. In other words, it's it's... Under it's beyond understanding. Yes. So guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart is where you feel. Your mind is where you think. He's going to guard, guard it all in Him. And I just think that that's that's exactly following Jesus. We need to be people of trust. And uh, yeah. I remember a long time ago, John Mark taught a sermon. I think it was on that passage, and he called it "Turning Cares into Prayers." Oh, and that's great. and I think that's that's what we need. To that's do. a great way to say it as yeah. well. Uh, the next uh, definition of success um, is receiving God's limits as a gift instead of an obstacle. Now, this one has been particularly <laughs> hitting home for me. Receiving God's limits as a gift instead of an obstacle. Um, earlier in uh, the last season, season two. We interviewed John Mark, and um, 
you know, in his in his new book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I think he 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 said, you know, we feel overwhelmed by our limits and family's a limit. And, he, and he's basically talking about this concept. But he said, you know, sometimes it feels like I want to name my kids limitation one, limitation two, <laughs> and limitation three. And, and you know, I, I think if you're a dad or or you have responsibility, um, I mean, you can you can so identify with that sentiment. Like, you know, he's joking, obviously, but at the same time, man, don't, don't we feel that? You know, if you have, if you're a parent of young children, especially, um, it just changes your world. And and if you have one or more than one, or, you know, we have four, that's my context. And yeah, I, I mean, if I get a free moment, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, I'm almost <laughs> like, what, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, yeah. I might just venture out and be bored for a minute and see what that's like. I haven't been bored for a long time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I want to kind of talk about this one because I think there's a lot of people uh, that view their limits as a curse, as something that's holding them back that, you know, my family's holding me back from true success, my marriage, my wife uh, this way, or my kids this way, or, or my job, or my my city, my context, it's holding me back. But this is flipping, this is kingdom language here, uh, viewing God's limits as a gift instead of an obstacle. What does that look like in your life? And even right now, what are some of the 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 obstacles uh, that are actually gifts to you. Yeah, well, I think this is important because, uh, you know, you're talking about children, limit number one, limit number two. No, actually, they're blessing number one, yeah. blessing number two, or gift number one, gift number two. Mm. And before you ever have any kids, you know, getting married, your time is cut in half. Mm-hmm. So when I have a, a college kid say, man, I just don't have time to read the Bible in the morning, you know, I'm saying, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Dude, when you get married one day, your time's going to be cut in half. When you have kid number one, cut in half again. So get up 30 minutes earlier and go for it, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I just think every season is full of blessings. If you're single right now, even if you're longing to be married one day, but you're single, you can have what the Bible calls undistracted devotion to the Lord. You don't have to have the responsibility of caring for a spouse or providing or all these things. You're a free agent, Mm. you know, under Jesus. And so (laughs) to embrace that instead of going around saying, oh, man, I'm just so... And then uh, to be married is a gift. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, the Bible says. Now, that's if it's a godly wife like you and I have. Yeah. It is. And sure, there's it limits you. You no longer can just say, I'm going to go do X. you got to check in with your spouse. And because everything you do impacts them and everything they do impacts you because you're one mystically and beautifully and in reality. But that's not a limitation that's a problem. It's a limitation that's a gift. Hmm. And by the way, there's all kinds of studies that people who are married, happily married, live longer Yes, because of the companionship that is there. So yes, maybe you're, you're, you can't do some of the things you would have done if you were single, but you also have companionship. Hmm. And there's a friend that, that's there with you the whole time. So I think embracing every season. Right now, and we're doing this podcast, and I've got my leg propped up because I just had a, a knee replacement. I mean, I went 60-plus years of my life, never broke a bone, never had a surgery. All of a sudden, bam, here I am. And uh, instead of, of saying, well, man, I can't, I can't do this or that, I'm actually seeing this Somebody actually said this to me, and I thought, you're absolutely right. It's a gift from God. It's Hmm. sort of a forced sabbatical, and I'm at a time in my life where it's time for me to be really strategic in Hmm. how I do the next decade Yeah, because um, I don't have 40 years ahead or whatever. And in fact, the Bible actually says none of us know if we even have tomorrow. Yeah. 
So we we aren't really in control of anything. Yes. Proverbs says, yes. don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring forth. Yes. And it says in James, you know, we shouldn't say, hey, tomorrow we're going to do this and so. And it says, you're just a vapor that appears for a while. Yeah. <laughs> And, and passes away. Yeah. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So in other words, it doesn't say don't plan. You yes. know, the mind of man plans his way. But it's this beautiful planning and complete dependence upon God. Lord, if you allow me to live and and and, and this is what I could see happening, but it's all surrendered to yes. you. And I think when you live that out, it's a beautiful thing. So I, I'm in this season and giving, being given a gift from God, uh, you know, I have to do all these exercises and PT appointments and, yeah. and you know, have to uh, have ice on my leg and stuff. But it's a time for me to read more, spend time with the, with the Lord more, and and seek his heart for what he has for the next season. Wow. Man, what a practice. Yeah, I know. People don't get to see it, but we're sitting in your living room, and you have a microphone in front of, in front of your face and ice packs on your knee, <laughs> and in between sessions, you're you're going and stretching, and you're still you're still giving back even. And, and you know, you're, you're not letting it limit you uh, in that sense, but I really, really appreciate that practical gift. I know as, you know, I've been processing some of this uh, personally, uh, you know, limits for me can be, you know, stage of life. You know, it can be like, oh, this stage of life is a limit. Right. You know, I I, I might be exposing too much of my heart here, but uh, I think one of the thoughts that I have often is, and I, I don't know if any parent has felt this at all, but I'll have the thought often of, am I giving the best years, the most energetic years of my life away? Am I, you know, this is the, the most energy I have. This is the most time I have. And I'm literally stuck at home <laughs> or, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm pouring into these kids, which I value and I love, and I wouldn't change that. Like I, I want to do that. But at the same time, I have that gnawing feel, feeling inside. Like I'm only going to get older. I'm only deteriorating every day. I'm deteriorating more and more and recognizing like, am I, you know, that's a fearful, a fleshly worry. Nonetheless, it's still something that I have going on and thinking, man, I, it's another it's another diaper. It's another walk to the park. I hate parks at this point. I'm so tired of going to a park. I'd like, I'd like to do something different, you know. And and right now I can't walk in a park. <laughs> it's a whole perspective. So I, you know, I, I think for me, um, this has been really helpful because the moment I can say, okay, what if this, what if this limitation or this obstacle is actually a gift? Mm-hmm. It helps me slow down and just enjoy my wife, enjoy my kids, enjoy my stage, knowing that life's only going to get busier and more full. Um, and, and this particular definition of success has really changed. It's also led to the word acceptance, you know, yeah. accepting who God's made you, accepting your unique gift set, accepting uh, what you're good at and what you're not good at, accepting your body, accepting your mind, accepting your personality. And I know that I might be going deep here, but I think that a lot of us, Actually, especially as men, uh, we don't necessarily take the time to go, you know, I need to accept the person, the man that God's made me, get out of that comparison game <laughs> and and be the best version of who God has made you. And I know that uh, can kind of sound like self-helpy, but the point being, like, I think Jesus made you, you on purpose, and he likes you, you know, yeah. and that and that has been really helpful for me. You're really talking about the next one on the list here. Receiving God's limits as a gift instead of an obstacle, right? Yep, that's the one we. Were, yep, that's yeah. the one we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. So now for you, Phil, um, 
you know, the, the next one is, is kind of important and I well, it's very important, but I'd love to know, um, for everyone listening, uh, the next one, success is experiencing ongoing transformation in your life. Man, that, that has been a really great marker of what success looks like, not continuing to stay in the same place, ignoring life around you, ignoring the different things um, that God's calling you into to grow in. You know, I, I look at your life and you're, you're 69 now, and I still see you engaging in ongoing transformation, which is inspiring. And I think that's what makes you, uh, you know, when you, you meet, when you meet older people, they're usually really happy or they're really angry. I don't meet many <laughs> that are like just neutral, right? You, they're like really happy or they're not. And, and I think, and I've been seeing more and more that there's a type of person that is open to change and growth. And what does that look like for you? Because now you have a lot of experience, you have a lot of life wisdom, uh, what does it look like to experience ongoing transformation in your life? Well, I I think the the minute we stop pursuing the Lord, we're going backwards. <laughs> you know, uh, I've experienced that in my life. You never arrive. I think you know. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in uh, Philippians chapter three, where he says, "One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on." toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he, he, he says, I, I, I'm not saying I've attained it yet, but I press on. And I think that that's how we all should be living. Like, hmm. I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to experience more of his presence. I want to trust more. I want to live by faith more. I want to embrace the season I'm in more. I want to be hmm. more grateful. I want to praise him seven times a day, 14 times a day. Yes. Uh, I want to become more and more like him because this is what God wants to do in us. And so I want to cooperate more. So I guess what I'm saying is if I ever slow my pursuit, I'm I'm not going to read the Bible today. I've been doing it for years. I don't need it. I'm going backwards. Yes. And so um, I, I just think it's a joy to pursue the Lord and, and to press on. You know, and our goal is one day we're going to be with him where mm. there will be no more crying, no more pain, and we will experience the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. But we're looking for that day and we're living life to bring as many people with us as we can and to bring his kingdom everywhere we go. But the next natural step is to see him face to face one day. But if I'm not living that way, if I'm living for yes. something else, then I'm missing the mark. Yes. So as you know, we're going to wrap up this episode, but you know, as for just some takeaways for any of the, the moms and the dads listening, um, I would love to know uh, just for a moment, what is like one of the main things that God's teaching you right now? What is one of the main, if you could kind of go, Hey, this is what I'm learning right now. Um, I know that you have one. I have one. I think it would be good for us. Like me as a, uh, someone in their mid thirties, you as someone in this stage of life, what's God teaching you this week, even, you know, today? Uh, I think what he's teaching me right now is the value of every single day and every single moment of every day is a gift and we only have so much time so psalm 90 says teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom so you only have so many days to be a parent hmm. and then your son or daughter is launched i mean you're still their yeah. father but your primary job is over you don't have so many days to serve the lord yeah and uh you know jesus said 
work while it is still day for night is coming when no man can work. So I think as you get older, you just get this sense of, of uh, the frailty of man. And yes. it's, it's a good thing. It's not a depressing thing. It's, yes. it's like, uh, 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 a sobering thing to realize that every day is a gift and you want every day to count. So I think that's why this, this time of this knee surgery is a gift to me to really look at, am I doing the things that are strategic? Yeah. Am I giving my, th- my life to the proper things hmm. right now? Or am I just going to dwindle away the next yeah. 10 years of my life? And, you know, Diane and I are talking about 10 years from now, should God grant us life? We want to look back and say, you know what? Nobody does it perfectly. We didn't either. But generally, in that decade, we we are glad how we divided our time and how yeah. how we loved each other and how we pursued the Lord and how we loved our kids and our grandkids, rather than looking back saying, man, yeah. I really blew it there. I, sh- I should have. My priorities got out of whack there. Yeah. And so I think that um, that's really what I'm focusing on and right now. I, I love that because as for any parent that's listening, to have that perspective that that's where you're at now and recognizing that in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, 50s, wherever you're at, that to, to just embrace the moment that you're really in, to not to not brush past it, but take responsibility for that moment and to think, hey, in 10 years, I want to be proud of this moment. Mm-hmm. Or in five years, you know, if 10 years is too long for you, in two years, in a year, I want to be proud of this moment. I think that's really helpful. Uh, so a, a tool that has been just really helpful for me in my life recently has been um, just this priority, you know, feeling like my stage of life can be a limit. Um, it's hard to kind of like, find growth, you know, like thinking about growth and how do I grow in these areas knowing that to tackle anything is going to take a bunch of energy, a bunch of time that I don't really have. And there was this book I was reading and it just gave this idea of to basically focus on 1% growth each day as a person. So there's 1% growth in your spirituality, 1% growth in your uh, in being physical, you know, working out, uh, 1% growth mentally or at your work. And it was just a great picture for me to think through like, oh, you know, I don't have to like take all this time and energy uh, to try to read more books. Maybe I just need to read a couple pages today. That's success today. Uh, maybe I just need to, to get off the couch and run. Maybe that's success today. 1% more every day. And and the idea of compound interest, if you do that for a whole year, if you read the scriptures, you know, each each day, just a little bit more and more, that's 365 days or 365% better over the year. And that's been a really helpful um, metric for me as we're talking about success. I think success doesn't always look like these big moments. It's these little incremental faithful changes that add up over time. And I know that that's been a, a great perspective for me. Oh, man, I'm so glad that, that you said that again because we're really kind of getting back into this one that I actually wanted to say a couple more yeah, things yeah. about receiving God's limits as a gift instead of an obstacle. See, yes. we tend to think, ah, oh, if this person would get out of the way or if this door would open, I've been asking for it. To, we, yes. we think we're being limited, but God's limits are part of how he's leading us, and they're actually blessings from him. But there, there's a random verse in in Second uh, Corinthians that I wanted to quote, chapter 10, where Paul is saying, we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God appointed to us. 
We are not <laughs> overextending ourselves. Wow. And uh, Diane and I were meeting with a couple that just have been our mentors for years, and they said, we all have a sphere of responsibility, of ability that God yeah. gave us. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not all perfect in everything. Yes. We have natural gifts, uh, abilities, and we have spiritual gifts, and, and we need to operate within the sphere God's given us instead yes. of wanting more. And so my job is is to stay close to the Lord and put my roots down deep in the Lord and then him decide how big my sphere is because we think bigger is better. Mm. You know, higher better, you know, but we got to remember like you yes. said the kingdom of God is upside down. You know, yes. it's through dying that we live, it's through yes. giving that we receive. You know, yes. the last shall be first. And so <laughs> let God define the sphere and if, if I'm married with four kids, that that's that's a limitation, but it's a beautiful sphere. Yeah. You're raising up four children who are going to be shot like arrows into the earth with a calling and gifts mm. to make a huge difference, probably after you're gone. So what mm. you're doing is incredible. Yeah. So we think it's all about me. <laughs> mm. I could be the first one to say it's all about me. Yeah. It's not all about us. The limits can be such a comforting thing. And so yeah. uh, I, I have, I, I'm still learning this even in my later years, but um, I want to operate within the sphere that God has given me. Yes. Well, as we look at what success is and what it isn't, I think this is a great biblical definition of success. So continue to redefine and define clearly uh, what God is calling you and what kingdom success looks like in your season. Hope this helps. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.